Uh, hello and welcome to Following the Tracks. My name is Sammy Shimoda. And I'm Giselle Ray. We're happy to have you back. So today we're going to be talking about the war on coyotes. But dun, dun, dun. Before we get into that, Giselle, how you been? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. It's uh, been a long winter and it never ends here in Minnesota. Nope. It is snowing today. Well, only slightly. Yeah. At least. It's not accumulating. <laughs> That's true. Uh, but I have been enjoying, I've recently started putting birdseed out in my backyard. Oh. And what birds have you attracted? Oh, so many. I have or weird squirrels? Oh, yes. Also that. <laughs> I have, well, there's cardinals that come around, house sparrows, house finches, dark-eyed juncos. Nice. Uh, nice. Chickadees. Lots of chickadees. Woodpeckers? White-breasted well, nuthatches. No... Mm-hmm. No woodpeckers on, on, the, on bird the bird feed feeder. yet, but yeah. I have seen them out on the trees. Okay, I've heard them here. Yes, and then I also have squirrels that visit me, and, and I like my squirrels, so I don't <laughs> I don't try to shoo them off. Nice. So, squirrels need to eat, too. They do. Give some love to our squirrels out there. We love squirrels. <laughs> Any updates from you, Giselle? Big news from the home front. My parents, who have Purple Martin gourds up, they got their first Purple Martin today, so that's very exciting. He comes and scouts it for the rest of the the crew, and then hopefully we'll bring all of his friends, and then they'll have a bunch of Purple Martins this summer. Whoa. So exciting bird news. Yeah. What exactly is a Purple Martin gourd? Oh, true. A Purple Martin gourd is what the Purple Martins uh, make their nests in. They're these big gourds, I guess. <laughs> um, but they're plastic, but they, they're they specific to the Purple Martins and they make their nests in there. And so do the sparrows sometimes, so. Very cool. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, we love diversity. True. And <laughs> what else? I recently went to Alaska, saw not Ooh. a ton of wildlife, but. Moose. 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 <laughs> they were very scary. They, the moose in Anchorage are not. Um, to be messed with. Yeah. They, but they but they are not scared of you until you get really, really close, which is frightening because if you turn a corner, there might be a moose there. Oh. <laughs> I'm scared of moose. Yeah, I'm scared of large animals, so I I'm mean, with you. I mean, I'd rather encounter five black bears than a moose. Oh. I don't know about that, but <laughs> <laughs> sure. I mean, I've encountered both, but and I've never had an issue with either, but... Five right black time, bears? Not that many. Okay, good. <laughs> Just making sure. <laughs> Only a few. Um, but moose at the wrong time in the wrong place. Yeah. They're not big. Fun. They're they huge. Are. Yep. And when they don't have their antlers, like when we saw them, they just look like giant horses, which makes they them do. feel like they are not scary, but they are. It's the legs. Their legs are weird. Yeah. Their whole body. They're so big. They're so big. They're so and big. they have no reason to be that big. <laughs> but they are. The good thing is they're so big that they're easily, uh, they can easily tumble. <laughs> so you can just hide Trip behind them. a tree. <laughs> I would not recommend tripping a moose. <laughs> But you just go hide behind a tree, and it can't turn and attack oh, you. Oh, you just kind of keep walking around the tree. Yeah, and it's it, trying it's, to get you. It's fast. They're fast, but they are not coordinated. Mm. I should say they have bad coordination. Okay, well that's good. To but know. did not did not ever get attacked. But saw them too close, too close. Mm-hmm. So that was exciting. So that's what's happening with me, I guess. Do you have? Any updates to our last riddle? I do. The riddle has been solved. <laughs> Who got it? I, 
Frank, my dad. I did. Nice, Sammy. (laughs) That's, I think, the only, well, yeah, the only one thus far that I've gotten. Oh, wow. Okay, is it because, yeah, I know why you know it. Okay. Uh, Because we did trivia once. Yeah, and it was kind of centered around this. I'll I'll refresh (laughs) everyone's memory. The riddle was, I'm one of two animals in the Monodontidae family. Which now I can tell you, that means one tooth. Yes. So if you knew that, that narrows it down to an animal with one tooth. Latin. Yeah, Latin. (laughs) I am extremely vocal and very social. I can change the shape of my bulbous forehead by blowing air around my sinuses. And it is a beluga whale. Oh. Oh. The other member in the Monodontidae family is a narwhal, right? No, it's narwhal. Nar, sorry. Oh, it's narwhal. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So if anybody ever needs to know, the Monodontidae family, belugas apparently only have one tooth and a narwhal. Do they? Or are they just in the one tooth? Are they just, is the family named after the narwhal? Oh, I don't know. And the is related enough to be in the same family. Pause, let me Google. Okay, okay. I feel like a, a, whale, a beluga whale has to They're probably to. different genuses. Oh, you would know more about this. Mm. The beluga whale has 30 to 40 homodont mm. conical teeth. Oh, the like really rigid, funky looking ones, right? I don't know. Or Let's Google a picture. Do not Google a picture of a beluga's teeth. <laughs> oh, that was not what I was thinking of, but... Those Man, are beluga whales scary. look scary. Yeah, they have a lot of teeth. Okay, well, beluga whales uh, were also something we could have seen in Alaska. There was this bay that had a bunch of beluga whales in it. We didn't see any, but uh-huh. that would have been fun. Their teeth look kind of human-like. They're like spears. Ooh. <laughs> but they're friendly. Have you seen the videos of them like grabbing which, a phone from yeah, the bottom of the ocean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of spooky, but apparently also that nice. was a Russian beluga whale. Oh. So you think it was like a government beluga whale? Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't real. <laughs> <laughs> it was a fake motorized beluga whale. Well, shall we get into the topic of this podcast? Yeah, I'd love to learn some more about coyotes and our relationship with them. Yes. So, yeah, because for the longest time, humans have hated coyotes. Yeah, they're kind of a nuisance sometimes in the neighborhoods, you know. Neighborhoods, downtown. Yeah. Rural. Yeah. They're all across America. Eating people's chickens. Yeah. Lots of problems. And your dog. Pets attacking, yeah, attacking pets. I see trail cams of them having a cat in their mouth. (gasps) Well, at the same time, I'm, I'm on the coyotes' side. I know, I mean... That's uh, the if you human's leave, fault. If you leave your cat out at night loose, don't uh, do that. That is irresponsible. <laughs> that is irresponsible. <laughs> Bring your cats indoors. Yes, please. They will live and a very dogs. healthy and happy life inside. Yes. And your dogs, yes. Mm-hmm. Especially little dogs. Mm-hmm. All right, so about the war on coyotes. Coyotes have lived in North America for hundreds of thousands of years. They are intelligent and extremely adaptable and found in every state, city, and ecosystem in the U.S. except Hawaii. As important as they are to all ecosystems, they become an issue when they attack livestock and pets. For a long time, people answered these attacks by trying to hunt coyotes into extinction. However, killing coyotes only creates a bigger problem. Giselle, can you give us a little biological background on coyotes? Yes! Coyotes are a member of the dog family Canidae, and their Latin name is Canis lantrans. They are an intelligent animal known for their cunningness and swiftness. Smaller, they are smaller and more lightly built than a wolf, 
And like Sammy said, they're found from Alaska southward into Central America, but they're mostly in the Great Plains. They're primarily nocturnal. They can run 40 miles an hour, which is pretty fast. They are visual predators in open areas, but they mostly use smell and hearing to locate prey in thick forests. One coyote by itself is able to take down a deer by biting its back legs until the deer can't walk. Kind of morbid, but gotta happen. (laughs) But they are omnivores. They eat berries and vegetables as well Mm -hmm. as meat. They hunt in packs, especially in the fall and winter. Some of their competition for food are lynx, bobcat, and red fox. And wolves and mountain lions occasionally prey on coyotes. Mm-hmm. And a little fun fact, um, they are monogamous. So they mate for life. Unless Whoa. their uh, significant other is killed. Um, kind of like people. I know. But they're probably better about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a little more monogamous. <laughs> Female coyotes can have litters of four to seven pups that they have in a den. And as you may know, coyotes are very territorial. They mark their areas with feces and urine, as well as howling. Mm. which you may hear through the night, especially in rural-ish neighborhoods. Very loud. (laughs) Great, great coyote call, Sammy. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I've heard them a lot down in the old Colorado desert. Oh, yeah. I hear them, like, at my parents' house. Oh. And that's not, I mean, there's grassland and vegetation and stuff around us, but, like, like you can hear a lot of them. Kind of spooky. Oh, I, like I mean, it. it's cool. It's definitely cool. <laughs> I definitely like. Well, I've also heard them camping up in northern Minnesota. I like it. I'd rather hear a coyote than a mountain lion. Mm. Mountain lions are. Oh terrible. my god, those are spooky. <sighs> it sound like a woman screaming. It's very alarming. Yeah, that is not. I'd rather hear a dog noise than it's than something that sounds like yeah. a woman screaming. One hundred percent. But anyway, someone in distress. Yeah. So that's a little background on coyotes. They are. You know, like dogs, but they're smarter. <laughs> wilder. Yeah, wilder. More territorial. Yeah. Actually, Miko's pretty territorial. Oh, my God. <laughs> Her bones, she is. Ugh, that dog. That dog. So I'm going to go into pretty good detail about the human-coyote conflict and the history of coyotes in America. All right, tell us about it, Sammy. So, before the 1700s, coyotes only resided in the prairie and desert areas of North America. Uh, They lived throughout most of Mexico, as far west as Texas, up to Minnesota, even up into Canada a little bit, and far west along the eastern borders of Washington, Oregon, and California. Since I'll be mentioning wolves in this history too, it's relevant to mention that wolves resided in the Northeast, Midwest, and all throughout the western states in Canada, and down through central Mexico. Native people who lived among the wildlife in North America for thousands of years had long characterized the coyote as a slippery trickster that defies death. Whoa. Now, because they had not yet expanded east, the white colonizers didn't discover coyotes until Lewis and Clark discovered them on their expedition in 1804. Can you hmm. imagine? Oh, my God. That, like, feels really late in history. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to find a coyote? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, They had first thought it was a timber wolf, but after shooting one and examining it closer, they found it was not a wolf nor a fox. Of course they shot it. Well, (laughs) if you're curious. Your first reaction is, let's shoot it. Okay. Yeah, men. Yeah. Yeah, So they started calling them prairie wolves. Mm. In the mid-1800s, the white coloners began a movement westward creating a push to, frankly, murder just about every living being in the West that hadn't already been under pressure from the fur and feather trade, like the beaver and the now-extinct Carolina parakeet. 
I've never even heard of that. I, you know, same. (laughs) (laughs) That's so sad. Uh, Yeah. In 1830, the Indian Removal Act was signed into law, which forced native tribes east of the Mississippi to give up land and relocate to present-day Oklahoma. Native people from the Seminole, Cherokee, Creek, Choctaw, and Chickasaw tribes that did not want to relocate were forced to migrate. These series of forced migrations were later termed the Trail of Tears due to the large amount of death due to starvation, disease, and adverse weather conditions. For perspective, of the 15,000 Creek who started their march from present-day western Alabama, only 3,500 survived the journey. Yikes. That's sad. White man. Yeah. They suck. In regard to the tribes west of the Mississippi, President Andrew Jackson saw the abundance of bison and wild horses as necessary for Native people's survival, therefore a threat to U.S. expansion, and ordered the Army to shoot all on sight while traveling out west. So... If you remember the just bison massacre that happened when trains were built out mm-hmm. west, you know, people would just shoot them from trains and leave them for dead. Like, people wow. didn't even do anything with them. And eventually people did start using them, their bones for fertilizer and tools and yada, yada, yada. But is this um, like where that classic photo comes from? The one where the guy's on the pile of the, the skulls? The skulls. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So it's just, there was a bounty put on the bison you know you'd get three bucks back then which was a lot of money for bringing in a bison hide this is like the plot of spirits telling of the cimarron <sighs> my soul <laughs> lives in that movie <laughs> oh it's so upsetting when the freaking white guys just want to rip through the native american land Ugh. and hurt the wild horses and the native americans i know anyway yeah. based on true events <laughs> But yeah, by 1880, which was 50 years later, there was less than 600 bison left. Wow. Which is like, there were massive herds of bison out west. Like, there was millions. And they were just reduced to 600, which is just horrible. Yeah, that's awful. I wonder if they were aware of the irreversible damage they were doing. Um, (laughs) They had to have been. What I read is that, like, Congress passed an act to, like, save the bison. Oh. But... The president at the time vetoed it, and, mm. and so I think it, you know politics and yeah. natives. So, yeah. but the trapping and the killing of wolves and coyotes started in the early 1800s. Uh, farmers and private landowners began the movement of eradicating North American predators after witnessing predator attacks on their valuable livestock. Soon, the government picked up this issue and decided to do something about it. Yellowstone National Park, the world's first park of its kind, was established in 1872. However, the conservation and environmental goals of the national parks back then were very different to those of today. In 1877, the park started poisoning carcasses to kill off the wolves and coyotes in the area. Whoa, I did not know that. Yep, they they had a zero predator tolerance (gasps) in the parks. The parks were... I guess, to conserve the land, but not the wildlife. Oh, okay. So, hmm. Mm, That's Not great. Yeah. In the southwest, settlers depleted the bison, elk, deer, and moose population, which were the local predators' main food supply. This caused an increase in livestock attacks and Mm. deaths, which obviously upset ranchers. The government's response was to enlist the help of the Bureau of Biological Survey... Initially created to study insects and birds, Hmm. uh, now became the main force to clear cattle ranches, public land, and essentially the whole 
U.S. of predators. Okay. By the 1940s, wolf packs were rarely spotted in Yellowstone, and by the 50s, they were nearly extinct from the lower 48 states, with just a few hundred that survived in northern Minnesota and the upper peninsula of Michigan. Despite the major loss of wolves, bears, lions, and bobcats in the U.S., the coyotes persisted. Hmm. More coyotes than any other predator were killed, but their ability to adapt and survive separated them from the others. Coyote population expansion followed the widespread extirpation of larger predators like wolves and mountain lions, filling in the ecological gap they left. Oh. By the early 1900s, coyotes had spread east throughout the Great Lakes region, north through Canada all the way up to Alaska, and west to the Sierras. It didn't take much longer for them to be found in the big cities on either coast. Hmm. So, they were city slickers. Oh, yeah. They by the late it. 1900s. Okay. That checks out. <laughs> also makes sense that they survived, given their cunning and swift. Oh, yeah. Their ability to survive intense persecution from humans is largely thanks to their flexible social structure, omnivory, and reproductive strategy. What's a reproductive Ooh. strategy? Well, we're going to get into that. Okay. Monogamy. <laughs> You guys, if we just learn to all be monogamous, <laughs> we'll save the human race. Yeah, that's what'll do it. <laughs> so, my next segment, why do people still kill coyotes? People still indiscriminately kill tens of thousands of coyotes to this day. The USDA Wildlife Services have called 78,000 coyotes on average per year for the last 10 years. 78,000 a year. Like, that's crazy. That's a but like, lot. people are, you don't eat coyote meat. No, they're just killing them. Yeah, they just yeah. Okay. Um, we'll get and this that. is just the like, this is just the government killing them. This isn't oh. this isn't like public. Okay, this isn't public or okay. private people doing. It. Oh geez. So that you know, yeah, add that's on a, a big couple number. tens of thousands more. Sure. And so coyotes don't have any protection from being hunted, other than some states requiring a permit since they are considered a nuisance and destructive animal. Which, you know, they're not innocent. They're very unlikely to disturb any cattle or horses, but they do pose a threat to chicken and sheep. So just like your smaller livestock animals. In an effort to keep the livestock safe, many people will shoot coyotes on their property, which is like the most, what you would think, logical thing to do. Is that legal? Yeah. You can just... Shoot coyote. It depends on, like, your state. Some some states require a small animal permit. Okay. A hunting permit. Okay. But, like, in Minnesota, you can just go all All right. I did not know that. Yeah. Some places will give you 10 bucks for a coyote tail. Oh. (laughs) Great. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, coyotes will also go after dogs and cats left unsupervised outside. So, you know, for this reason, other people will argue killing them will help prevent pet attacks and... Rural and suburban areas. Pet attacks can also be <laughs> brought down by keeping your pets inside. Well, I mean, because sometimes you gotta let your I know, dog definitely, outside to go definitely. pee. But like overnight, <laughs> don't leave your cats out. No, no, I agree. There's also a human safety risk factor when we talk about coyotes residing in urban areas. Okay. Some of them may become habituated, which poses a risk of a bold coyote approaching people and children in search of food oh. and could lead to an attack. Have there been a lot of coyote attacks? Do we no. know? I've never heard of someone being attacked by a coyote. I have, like, semi-recently. I watched a video, and it was quite obvious. Like, it was in a public park. There was a child, like, I don't know, two, three years old, small oh. thing, 
walking, and the the coyote was very obviously stalking it. Oh. So it's like animals like that are the issue. Okay, um, but they but coyotes don't pose a threat to humans in that sense. Like coyote attacks are oh rare to none. Yeah, yeah. It's it's very uncommon, but it's not a chance you want to take. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Of course, I especially would, with children. Yeah, because yeah. like if an they're adult, small, yeah, and oh, too big. It, if a coyote, you know, I, I would only see a coyote attacking an adult if it had rabies or something. Oh, sure. But, anyways, they're obviously these are obviously important issues to keep in mind, and the best way to mitigate risks may not be to kill the coyotes, as research shows that indiscriminate killing actually creates a bigger issue for people and our livestock. So, why is it? That when people kill off thousands of coyotes every year, they are always able to rebound, seemingly with more numbers than before. Why, Sammy? Well, I'll <laughs> tell ya. <laughs> uh, to start off, let's talk about an animal's home range. A home range is the area of land an animal uses. It's where it sleeps, finds food, and raises its young. In that home area, the animal also has its territory, or the area that is guarded by a group or the individual. Among coyotes, a home range is typically occupied by three to four adults, although five to six has been observed. Lone transient coyotes will travel among multiple resident packs and have a much bigger home range with no territory. In a research paper titled, Koi Wolf Pack Density Doubles Following the Death of a Resident Territorial Male by Jonathan Way, Brad Tim, and Eric Strauss, scientists studied a pack of coyotes that lived in Barnstable, Massachusetts, a town located on Cape Cod. Oh. And tracked them from 1998 to 2008. Kind of weird to think about coyotes on Cape Cod. I Right? Yeah. It doesn't really seem like somewhere <laughs> that would have coyotes, but yeah, no. they're everywhere. But actually, so out east, they have koi wolves. So what's a koi wolf? You might be able to assume it's a mix between a koi and a wolf, or a, a coyote. Coyote. <laughs> coyote and a wolf, which they look probably a little more like a coyote than a wolf but they're a little more built out yeah i mean their genetic research shows that they are like a good portion wolf and hmm. they shouldn't be called coyotes okay but they shouldn't be called well well yeah they're definitely not they're yeah. yeah koi wolves but they're uh they're technically a mix and they're just an east coast thing yes just oh, okay. an east coast thing i mean it can ha- technically happen anywhere that coyotes and wolves overlap but hmm. there's a big population of them out on the east coast The breeding pair raised a litter of four pups during the summer of 2001. At least one of the pups, which was captured and collared, stayed with his parents as a pack associate slash helper, which is very common among coyotes and wolf packs. In the following June, the breeding male was hit by a car. As a result, the territory of the pack shrunk by half because the pack was weakened and unable to defend the large territory without the breeding male. Soon after, another pack moved in and occupied the rest of the previous territory, essentially doubling the number of koi wolves originally in that area. Oh, okay, so they lost one wolf, mm-hmm. koi wolf, lost half the size of the territory, and then uh, got more koi wolves. Yeah, well, so yeah, so like the the original their original territory, they were unable to fully defend without that like okay. strong. Yeah, alpha male. male, yeah. And, you know, same thing would have happened if it was the female, but... Uh, so it shrunk by half, and then another pack moved into that territory. Okay, so getting rid of one, it's just going to bring more. 
yeah, so it was just like essentially all the residents in that area started noticing twice as much wow. activity because you now have two. A whole other pack, yeah. yeah. So. Wow. Yeah, this paper lists four scenarios where one would have to occur for the density of the coyote population of an area to increase. Number one, average pack territory size decreases. Number two, average pack size increases. Number three, the number of transient individuals in a population increases. And number four, packs become less territorial, allowing for overlap among territories of neighboring packs. The first two, and possibly the fourth, occur at local levels and largely depends on the availability of food in the home ranges. And the third one, an increase in transient individuals, takes place on a much larger scale due to the long distances they will travel. So it's like local as in like a few five ten miles versus when you're looking at transient wolf you're looking at 50 plus miles okay in this instance of the breeding male dying the scientists relate it to the first scenario where the average pack territory size decreases Mm -hmm. hence the increase of more than double the koi wolf density in that area this paper also mentions instances of when territorial cougars and black bears are killed it causes an influx and therefore a greater population density of that area so, of that animal, so it yeah. happens in other so animal if, populations if too. If you have a cougar, a very territorial cougar, and it's holding down one square mile of territory, or probably more than that, I, really, it's probably more like five square miles. At okay. Least. Wow. Okay. I don't know. I, uh, I, I don't know. Yeah. No, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> a lot. They they hold down a lot of land, and um, if that one dies, then you're gonna have like a bunch of other transient mm-hmm. cougars looking for territory, looking for land, they're all going to split that land. Okay, so then, it, it, yeah. So then you're killing gonna, one isn't... You'll kill one, and then three will move in. Okay. So... It's not, it's not, yeah, it's, decreasing the population because because one's gone away. It's actually increasing it. Hmm. To further, I guess, describe this scenario, from a paper called Simulations of Demographic Compensation in Coyote Populations by Sterling et al., reports observations of compensatory mortality and natality in coyote populations that experience exploitation or lots of death. Compensatory mortality means that animals that would have otherwise died from competing with other coyotes for food, territory, disease, have a better chance of surviving and more resources, say, like if someone went and hunted a bunch of them. Oh. So they see this in other animals as well. But so if, if you go out and you hunt, you take out 25% of a population of an area, you're not going to see the same rate of death among that the remaining population as you would if the population was still whole. Because you would no longer have all those animals competing for food and resources oh, and water. Oh, so that remaining population becomes... Like, better More, off. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh. In a way. So, like, there's, you know, there's a line to the compensatory mortality, but... It's like some Thanos stuff. <laughs> like, literally. Yeah. Oh, okay. But then there's also compensatory natality. When litter sizes, proportion of females breeding... And reproductive lifespan all increase to create even more pups. So this is like the same situation. If you're taking out half of a population from hunting, females in that population, no. Oh. And the litter sizes are going to double. Oh, my gosh. the proportion of females breeding, like if they're... So they're going to make up for a loss of their population. Yeah, and if, say, like a female is five and she's at the end of her year's... Uh, and usually she wouldn't do have another litter. She's gonna have have another litter, and because 
because so much of their population was taken out, again, it frees up resources Mm -hmm. to have a ton more. And this is also in part because, yeah, the increased availability of resources for coyotes and that can just support more young. Wow. So that's fascinating. Yeah. So when you go out and shoot a bunch of coyotes just randomly... The other ones are going to be stronger, <laughs> and they're going to have more babies. Pups. Yeah, and then that population is going to become stronger. And yeah. then if you kill off 25% of that, then... But it's also looking at territory size and pack <sighs> structure, like... Well, we'll get into this later. Okay. But this episode is sponsored by Dan Ray. Oh, we could have an ad in the middle. Like, this podcast episode has been sponsored by Dan Ray. So... Where were we? We were just talking about why hunting coyotes isn't necessarily productive in getting rid of them. But there's other problems with killing so many coyotes. The USDA Wildlife Service spent $124 million in 2021 to kill 400,000 native animals, including coyotes, bears, cougars, bobcats, and wolves. But the majority of them are coyotes. Wow, is that just to keep... Like, populations under control, or That's the attempt. Okay. But, yeah, it just, it's... That seems like a lot. They're not really, like... I mean, the majority of them are not problem animals. They're not going after animals that they have issues with. Uh Uh-huh. It's just kind of a random killing. Ooh. And, uh, yeah, just in effort, in an effort to reduce the population. Okay. Um, but Mm -hmm. it's not founded in science, and a lot of biologists have an issue with it because it just kills animals and it disrupts the ecosystem. Yeah. It doesn't really do anything to help. Um. I can see why they're upset, yeah. Yeah, but the wildlife services have started allocating some resources, about 1.3 million in 2020 and 2021, and 2.5 million in 2022 to implement and study non-lethal predation management in select states with the most predator problems. Hmm. And so there are many non-lethal ways to deter predators, and one of them is using livestock guardian dogs. So while, oh yeah, yeah. When I was going through the USA report on how their non-lethal methods were going, I got to see a lot of puppy pictures oh. of Turkish Kangles. I've never even heard of that. That's yeah. a dog. Yeah, they're just like really big. They're a good livestock. Protective. Yeah, they're like livestock, livestock dogs. What's it called? Turkish Kangle. I I would suggest looking up pictures of them. Kangle with a K. Yeah. They're Aww, cute. they're cute. Yeah. So like. Big dog. People a big were dog. just getting free puppies. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Like the government just said, here, take a free puppy. Yeah, they're so cute. Well, we're looking at puppy pictures. <laughs> But overall, like, each state had a slightly different plan and method from the next. Like, some used range riders, some used flagging, some used dogs, mm-hmm. some used, like... What are range riders and flaggers? Oh, well, flag like, flagging is when they put, like, pretty much strips of flag, like, around fences or on fences. Okay. And just that movement in the wind oh. scares predators. It's that easy. It really is. (laughs) Okay. Uh, And then range riders are just cowboys and cowgirls riding around. Cow people. Cow people. (laughs) Yeah. Riding around on their horses and just kind of like checking in on herds. Got it. Okay. That makes sense. And when the predators see like such a big animal with a person on it. Yeah. uh, It deters them from going after him. Yeah. Yeah. 
And then they also, there's been big fences put up that have a skirt underneath, so you have to dig into the ground. Wolves will, like, dig under fences. Mm. So these ones are, like, wolf-proof. Like, they're putting them up in northern Minnesota around a ranch that borders Voyagers National Park. Oh, sure. Okay. uh, That has a lot of issues with wolves, so... Oh. uh, Yeah. That's an interesting solution. I mean... Mm Mm-hmm. If it keeps them out, keeps them out. Exactly. And doesn't have to kill them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in 2015, the USDA reported 3.9 million cattle and calves that died. Oh, my gosh. But from from coyotes? No. With oh. 94% of them died from something other than a predator. So oh, my gosh. Like respiratory problems. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so 6% died from predators. And a good portion of that, I think it was about 40%, was from coyotes. The second... Okay. Like, most was unknown predators, and after that was dogs. <gasps> oh, so, like, dogs accidentally eating chickens? Like Not a, So, this is still cattle. So this oh, is cattle. cattle and calves, strictly, yeah. What? Oh, yeah, it's... Oh. Dogs are not kind. Okay. <laughs> and often it can be difficult to tell the difference between a dog or a coyote tag if the incident was not witnessed. And people will usually default to reporting it as a coyote attack. Sure, wild animal versus a... Yeah, seemingly domesticated. But also, like, if it's a coyote attack or a wild animal attack, the government will pay them 75% of the average fair market value for that animal. Oh, so they could be misreportings of coyote attacks. Yeah. Like, like not necessarily due to... And even, like, a biologist will usually go out and, like, oh. investigate. But again, it's very difficult to tell a coyote from a domestic dog. Their paw prints are usually quite similar and... Sure, yeah, they Teeth are. Teeth yeah. like. And this report does state that from 2000 to 2015, the percentage of operations, like private operations that use non-lethal methods, increased from 3.1% in 2000 to 19% in 2015. So that's a pretty big jump. So they're actively looking for... Yeah, like private non- companies, yeah. like private ranchers are doing their own thing and going to non-lethal methods. And the, but the report says that lethal predator control methods cost them about $300, while non-lethal methods will cost around $3,000. Oh, so it's just cheaper just to shoot them, even though it's Yeah, gonna... so it's cheaper to do lethal, but, like, the non-lethal method is still raising, like, going up in popularity. Okay. Oh, that's true. Yeah, okay. So... Like, it's a, obviously a huge difference in Do you cost. think it's because they have a more of an understanding of what the lethal options mean? Like, that these populations are going to come back and be stronger? It's, it's possible. I mean, it can also... I feel like that they're doing it for their own interest. I think that the non-lethal methods are probably just work better. And they're probably... They might just be saving money at the end of the day uh, because they're losing mm. less animals. Okay. Yeah, because rather than shooting one coyote and then another one coming back the next night, if you have a guard dog, you may never have coyotes. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Okay, just, that makes sense. You just have a better operation going on, and you're not losing nearly as many animals. So, mm-hmm. But, yeah. So, how do we coexist with coyotes? Hmm. You're in the city. I'm in the suburb. <laughs> Uh, I never see a coyote in the city. <laughs> that would be terrifying. I saw a turkey this morning. Oh, no way. A turkey sprinted across my front yard. 
of our apartment. Whoa. Just sprinted full speed <laughs> on his way to work. He's doing the turkey trot. <laughs> yeah, it was hilarious. Wrong time of the year. That's but... the most wild animal I've seen in the city. <laughs> Absolutely. I see red foxes in my backyard sometimes. Okay, that makes sense out here in the burbs. But I've never, I don't think I've ever seen a coyote out here. Oh. Um, I see them a lot when I'm out and about in rural areas. That makes sense. Have you ever heard any out here? I don't think so. Okay. So, you know, first and foremost, educating people about coyotes mm-hmm. and their intentions. You know, usually they're not trying to hurt people or anything. They're yeah. they're just looking out for themselves just like anybody else. Yeah. Protect their territory. Protect their... Yeah. Some, themselves. Get food. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the best way to coexist with coyotes is to be mean to them. Just straight up haze them. <laughs> oh. Throw rocks. <laughs> rubber bullets. What? Really? Air horns. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, yeah, so like, when we look back at what we just learned and apply it to people living in rural and suburban areas, we can't, you, you, people don't really go killing coyotes in the cities, but people often will kill coyotes in fear that they will eventually attack their livestock and we now know, you know, this isn't exactly the right move. It's better to keep those territorial animals where they are so you don't have more coming into that same area. It's best to just let them be and ward off any other coyotes. They can ward off any other coyotes that are passing through the area. Oh, yeah. However, if you do see coyotes in your area that are becoming curious about what's on your land, um, biologists in Colorado have found that hazing coyotes yields very successful results. Oh, so you weren't kidding about hazing. No, not at all. <laughs> like, anybody can just do the basic ones where you're being big and you're being loud, waving your arms over your head, making loud noises, or, you know, squirting a coyote with your hose water. Nice. <laughs> just air horn, whistles, soda so cans being a nu- with pennies. Oh my god. You're being a nuisance to them. Be a nuisance back to the coyote. Yeah, exactly. Give them a little taste of it. And then there's also a high intensity hazing, which some oh. people say you should leave that up to like... This wasn't high intensity? Hosing them? Throwing a <laughs> p- soda can of pennies at them? Is no, it high intensity? No, this is, this is taking it up a notch. This is... This is like probably shooting them with a BB gun. Yeah, okay. BB gun, paintballs, pepper balls, oh, slingshots, clay pellets, pepper spray. Yeah, that's a lot. Uh, yeah, you may maybe leave, leave it, it to yeah. trained professionals, but you know, yeah, if it's there, leave it to the professionals. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, of course, if there's a problem coyote and it's not responding to hazing, and the next step would be to lethally remove it. But that's the right way to go because you're just taking out the problem coyote and you're not taking out like a bunch of random ones that yeah. you might not even be you know just going out and shooting a bunch of coyotes you might not even be getting, getting the, the problem one, one. Yeah. yeah yeah this is ensuring you're that shoot- you're getting the problem you're shooting one. the ones that are keeping the status quo yeah and then you know and that it's going to create a big issue another way to coexist with coyotes is to be a responsible owner nice yay Yay. we love that that means keep your cats inside keep them inside i don't better for the birds better for the cats (laughs) i i don't care if you think that your cat is wild and it needs to be outside your cat is a domestic animal and not only is it like is it dangerous for your cat to be outside it's dangerous for the wildlife too they kill so much wildlife cats themselves have put so many species of birds extinct. Yeah. Around the world. 
one of the biggest problems with the, with birds uh, is is cats. Yeah, <laughs> and and they're the worst non-native species in the world. For yeah, this is a completely avoidable situation. Just keep your cats out. Yeah, but if you don't care about that, <laughs> your cat itself can pick up diseases. And bring it home. Give it to your other animals in your house. Yeah. It can get hit by a car. Die yeah. a slow, sad death. Our cat got hit by a car when I was a kid. Very upsetting. <laughs> and yeah, so cats don't belong outside. Unless it's on a leash and you're, watch- you're, like, you're watching it. I have done that. <laughs> I have walked our cats. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, similar thing with dogs. Keep them on a leash. Keep, them on- keep an eye on them when they're in your yard. I give Miko my little dog. She has a flashing light-up collar when I put her outside at night. I keep an eye on her. I watch her. She's roughly the size of a rabbit. So. <laughs> she needs she needs protection from she, the coyotes. She's like the she's size very, of a, she's denser. She's a she's a Jack Russell size. <laughs> she's cute. But yeah, your dog, no matter the size, it can be attacked by wildlife. When you're out exploring trails or scenery, the environment. Just leash your dog. Yeah. It's easy. It's not that hard. It's rude to other people on the trail if you don't. I mean, I've had a lot of dirty dogs jumping up on me. I love dogs. Don't get me wrong. It's just like, hey, can you get your dog off me? It's rude to people on trail. Yada, yada, yada. Not only that, but dogs will attack people. I have been attacked on trail. Everyone says, well, my dog would never attack somebody. And it's... Never it know. never happens until it does. And um, we don't want your dog to be attacked by a coyote either. Ex- well, that's the other well, thing that's, is, yeah. is yeah, yeah, your dog can be, your dog can attack wildlife, and wildlife can just as easily attack your dog back. Yeah. There's a lot of different wildlife. There, coyotes are literally everywhere. You can't out, you can't hide from them. Yeah. Every state, except for Hawaii. And then another way to coexist with coyotes is to not leave food outside. That means dog food or cat food, just... Garbage. Garbage, yep. If you compost, don't put meat in your compost. That attracts them. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I mean, worse comes to worse. If there's still an issue, there's a coyote that is causing problems, contact your local biologist, uh, let them know, and, and steps will be taken to remove that coyote. Yeah. And that will be lethally heavy, removed. Heavy. <laughs> what did you say it was? Heavy? Heavy, uh... With the paintball? Oh, high intensity. High intensity what? Hazing. High, oh, high intensity hazing. <laughs> Get someone to do some high intensity hazing. Oh, yeah. It's very important. That's but funny. Anyways, if you're not pissed off by now, I think I've pissed off a lot of people at this point. People who hate coyotes, people who like their cats outside, and people <laughs> who like to unleash their dogs in public areas. <laughs> That's a lot of people. Like. That is a lot. Of, we don't mean to piss anyone <laughs> off. We're just educating. We're not here to judge. We're just educators. I. Yeah. Sammy's judging. I'll <laughs> judge you if I see you in person. Yes, 100%. And I'll probably say something. Some people are just, they don't even know the consequences, though, of some of the things that they're doing. They're not aware that coyotes are in their area because they mm-hmm. live in a suburban neighborhood. Yeah. That's true. But there are there can be coyotes, and you would hate for something to happen to your animal. Yes, just because you don't see them, just because you don't see the signs, they're there. I mean, clearly, yeah, I'm, yeah, they're they're there. They're hanging out. They're having babies. They're eating your cats. <laughs> <laughs> that was so morbid. 
Well, if it makes them keep their cats inside, it's yeah, worth it. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but anyways, that's all I have for coyotes. Do you have any questions? Um, I think all my questions have been answered, but yeah, that's some good information. I think it's good to know how we live. I, I just feel like coyotes, I'm aware, are a part of our ecosystem, but mm-hmm. they're kind of just something I never really think about. And they were never they were never an animal that particularly piqued my interest, you know, like a wolf is a little more fascinating and other mammals in the Midwest are more interesting to me. And so now learning more about these coyotes, they are fascinating. They are cunning and swift. They are they are death defying. Yeah, death yeah, that's <laughs> what started this all out. They are death defying. Yep. Yeah, quite interesting characters they are. They will survive climate change. Yeah, they would be the. They would be. Yeah, they're gonna take. They're gonna take. Maybe I'll write the apocalypse. Yeah, <laughs> they know how to do it. Um. Yeah. Get yourself a coyote. Natural selection is taking me, but a coyote will be good. <laughs> do not house wildlife. Yeah. Thank you for all the information, Sammy. I learned a lot, and it was a fun subject. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Do you have anything for us? Um, I'll give you all a little riddle for next time. Ooh. Sammy couldn't get this one, but I think... Yes, I, I did. Yeah, okay, sorry. Eventually. <laughs> <laughs> it stumped Sammy for a minute, but she got there. Okay, here it is. Who am I? Despite my size and weight, I am a surprisingly good swimmer. I can swim for several miles and hold my breath for 30 seconds. My name originates from the Algonquin term, eater of the twigs. And I am the official state animal of Maine. Who am I? Ooh. Ooh. Think hard about this one. Twig eater. Twig eater. Eater of the twigs. <laughs> yes. That's that's what got me to the right answer. Eater of the twigs. Yes. Um, thank you all for joining us for this episode of Following the Tracks. Yeah. I don't know what to say. I'm it sorry. Very <laughs> I don't know either. <laughs> How do we wrap this up? I don't know. It's so hard to wrap it up. Do we have anything? Thanks, Peter and Evan, again. Thank you, Peter and Evan, for making us our jingle. We, we love it. it. Thank you, Dan Ray. Shout out to Dan Ray. We love Dan Ray. <laughs> That's it. I do. I do this podcast for Dan Ray. <laughs> I dedicate this podcast once again to Dan Ray. Uh, by the way, I just need to mention Dan Ray at the end of every podcast. <laughs> Don't. We need to. We need to phase it out. <laughs> He gets he, he, he gets too much praise. <laughs> no, no, no. He's our like he's our big our sponsor. Yeah. If anyone, any listeners out there, would like a sticker, send us a note. DM us your address. Yeah, DM us. I'll order some and then on Instagram. Maybe I'll send some out. At following the tracks. Oh yeah, we should say that. I usually do it at the end. Oh, perfect. But you can do it this time. Reminder to follow us on Instagram at following the tracks. Yeah. Then you'll get all the latest news on when our podcast comes out and some pictures. Oh yeah, if anybody has any interesting wildlife interactions. Yeah, a mini sode. That would be fun. We could do like That'd be so cool. Yeah, DM us your interesting wildlife stories. <gasps> or like Mom just like Oh yeah. Anything like if you know a random cool fact or something about an animal. Ooh. That'd be cool, too. Yeah. Like, just give us, like, a mini rundown of an animal. That would be cool. Send us your cool facts and stories. We would love that. And then we'll highlight them in an episode when we gather a bunch. Yeah. Bye. Bye.
Hello. <laughs> Who is this? Hello. This is your mother. This is following the tracks. Oh, no. We're starting off. <laughs> what? <laughs> nope. Hold on. Hello, and welcome to following the tracks. No, start over. Okay. All right. You can't just do that. That's what makes me laugh. Okay. <laughs> what happened to Miko? Hey, Miko. What's up, girl? What's up? Why can't we be friends? They're scary. Sources for this podcast includes the Urban Coyote Research Project, an article on wolf restoration from the Yellowstone National Park page from nps.gov, an article titled Wolf Wars, America's Campaign to Eradicate the Wolf from pbs.org, an article titled Manifest Destiny and Indian Removal from the Smithsonian American Art Museum, an article by Sean Weeks titled Coyotes, Pests Against Cattle and Livestock from FarmersAlmanac.com, a report from the USDA titled Death Loss in U.S. Cattle and Calves Due to Predator and Non-Predator Causes from 2015.